And uh, it's my privilege to be here and kind of give um, Brother Herb a break. Or maybe give you a break from Herb. I don't know which, which one it is. I think it's the first one, though. Isn't Herb doing a great job? Man, he loves Jesus, and he's, he's, got, it, he's got it together, either, even at um, 55 years old, right? Something like that? I want to talk to you today about the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, uh, I've been, uh, we started last week a series of messages on maximum impact, the power of God in your life. And sometimes, you know, as we're living the Christian life, we find a gap in our life. And the gap has to do sometimes with the, what, what the Bible really teaches. The Bible teaching you and I that this is how we ought to live. And this is kind of the power that we should have in our life. On the other hand, we can see how we really live. And we can see the lack, maybe, of answers to prayer and the lack of doing great things for God the way that the Bible says, or even the lack of trying to live the Christian life, you know, or or the lack of being able to overcome sinful habits in our life. You know, sometimes I think we, we all would like to be more like the rat. Do you know rats... Uh, will not go to a rat trap that's already been used. You can only use a rat trap one time. I, happen to, I mean, I happen to know this. We, Pam and I lived out in a house in Texas when we first started going to seminary and in Fort Worth, Texas, right beside an expressway, and it, it, it had mice in the house and rats outside the house. And so we caught several of them. And you can only use it one time because the, the rat will smell the blood on the rat trap from the previous rat and not come near the cheese no matter what kind of brand you put up there, all right? But you and I know the devastation of what's happening all around us. We know the devastation of um, lives that have been ruined through infidelity. We, we know the lives have been messed up through crime. We know the lives have been messed up by different things that we do in life. And yet we don't think it's going to really happen to us. And we don't seem to have the power to resist the cheese. So... What do we do in the Christian life? What kind of power do we need? Now, we talked about last week, Herb and I both talked about the power of the resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead can live in your heart today through salvation. But how do you resource that? How, how do you really make that come to life and use in your life? And the, the answer is the power of God's Holy Spirit in your life. Now, as Paul is writing this letter to the church of Galatia, Paul has really uh, exhausted in many, many books of the Bible the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at this, Paul is coming to a church at Galatia that was kind of adding to their salvation. Some people use this book to say, hey, we shouldn't get involved in legalism as a Christian. And I guess that can be an application. But really what Paul is talking about here is that the Galatians started off well believing that you're saved by grace and grace alone through Jesus Christ. Now they're adding, oh, you know, if you really want to be saved, you've got to do this. If you really want to be saved, well, you also have to do this. And he says, you know, you are living, therefore, under the law. That's the phrase, under the law. And then he begins to talk about how you and I ought to get along with one another and, and do great things together when he says in verse 14 of chapter 5, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then in verse 26, he says, let us not uh, become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So he's talking about relationships here. And in between it all, he gives us really one of the best passages we have on the warfare that's going on, the conflict that's going on within our own heart between doing what's right and doing what's wrong. And the power of the Holy Spirit that is the answer to that. Not just in relationships 
but in every aspect of life. And so I want to look at this in, in two, two quick points. Well, that won't be that quick. Number one, number one, the background of the Holy Spirit. And number two, the battleground that we experience with all this. First of all, the background basically is this. The Holy Spirit is not just an influence. He's a person. In verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit. The Spirit talking here about the Holy Spirit of God is not just a mere influence. In fact, the Bible says He is God in Spirit. Now, when we talk about God in the Bible, uh, many of you are aware of this, and, and most of us don't really understand it, including me. If there's one God, but there's three persons within God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we talk about different analogies and illustrations to illustrate that, and nothing is really perfect. But one of the best things I've come across is uh, there's, there's a light, most light bulbs, and, and uh, the, the old style at least, has three, basically, three basic beams in it. One of them is just for light. The second one's for light and heat. Third one gives off just heat. Now, if you take each one of these as individual, you, you won't have a light. It won't work. But when we put these three beams together and you have a light. Without each one, it's incomplete. But together, they function together. And that's the way God is. Now, you might say, well, where in the Bible does it say the Holy Spirit is God? In Acts chapter 5, when it's talking about the early history of the church, there was a couple that really uh, cheated on God a little bit. They, they didn't give. They, they promised and told everybody they'd given uh, their land to the Lord but didn't. And here's what Peter said. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is that you have uh, continued this deed in your heart? You have, he says, you have not lied to man, but to what? God. You've got lied to God. So right here we find the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is God. Why do we need him? Because of the power that he offers in life. The power to be a Christian, the power to do the Christian life, the power to overcome as well. I look in the Bible, and it's astonishing to me, and I don't want to read too much into this, but I don't think I am. The fact that when Jesus Christ was 30 years old, at that point there's no history in the Bible or in uh, separate history from the Bible that Jesus Christ ever performed any miracles up until the time he was 30 years old. Well, what happened to him at 30? At 30, he enters into the waters of baptism. He's baptized by John the Baptist in order to, at that point, enter a journey for you and I. He had a journey to the cross. He made a beeline for the cross the next three and a half years. Now, what happened to his life? The Bible says when he came up out of the water, the Father from heaven said, Behold, uh, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, the Bible also says the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Now, Philippians, Paul says this. And though the war, this was in the form, or rather, Jesus was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He emptied himself. We don't know what all that means. But it appears that he surrendered his power to heal and power to raise the dead until the Holy Spirit came upon him. 
The reason I believe that's important for us is God is telling us the same Holy Spirit that descended upon Jesus like a dove, the same Holy Spirit that moved him to raise the dead, the same Holy Spirit that he, the lame walked and the blind could see is the same Holy Spirit that lives within the heart of every single believer. That's the kind of power that you and I have access to. The, the question is then, how do we get it? What's the battleground? Well, first of all, I want us to see in this passage that Paul recognized the fact that we, Paul recognizes the fact that we do struggle in life. Look with me in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you ought to do. He's saying, look, there's a war going on within you. There's a spiritual war that's going on. And it has to do with two, it looks like two different individuals going on in your life at the same time. He says, but you are led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. Again, under the law, if you're led by the Spirit, whatever that means, come to that in just a minute, you are not under the obligation of the law in order to be saved. You don't practice the law to be saved. He says in verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, revelries, dissensions and divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things, and this word uh, has to do with practicing such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says you do these things and you practice these things. It's just evident that you are not a believer, that you've never repented of your sins and invited Christ into your life. But I want you to notice it. When he says the works of the flesh, we look at these and says, well, okay, yeah, immorality, impurity, sensuality, those are works of the body, the flesh. But then it says idolatry, sorceries, strife, enmity, jealousy, fits of anger. These, these are not have, have anything to do with the body. You see, the flesh in Paul's writings meant not the body, but it meant the old person, the old man, the old, uh, the person, the unregenerate person that we all have in our life. And so Paul says there's a struggle here between two individuals. One, the old flesh and the spiritual man. The one who has been saved by the Spirit of God. Now there's two things going on. Now, you and I, before we're saved, and here's the difference in the... In fact, if, you don't, if we don't understand this passage, I think we have a difficult time understanding the Christian life. But the, uh, the Bible teaches us that when we're born the first time... We have the flesh. We have the old man. And we're prone to sin. We're drawn to sin. There's, there's, there's a united front here. And the united front is everything's about selfishness. Everything about what we do is self-centered. Even the good works that we do. And you say, well, that's not true. You know, I, I think that we can do good works. And, and we see good works out in the world today. But why? What is the motive behind some of those good works? If we were to be honest about it and really look at it, we would say, okay, maybe, um, for example, a person feeds the homeless. Well, why do you do that? Man, you go out, they, they really need it. So what do you do? You have this, this food line, you feed the homeless. This is a good work to do. Everybody ought to do uh, this and uh, at some point, points in their life. And so you're feeding the homeless and you say, because I love the homeless. I just love the homeless. We have people that are not saved that are doing that. Well, you love the homeless. Well, okay. Uh, name one person that you fed today. Oh, I, I, have you tried to help them find a job? You have, have you found out what's going on in their life to make them homeless? Well, well, no, but I felt great feeding the homeless. The same thing can happen with preaching. I know, Herb, you've heard this a million times before. I just love preaching the Word of God. 
okay, well, why do, you, why, why do you like that? Well, it gives me a good pump. Man, I feel good when I preach God's Word. It makes me feel good. I'm a center of attention. You know, why do you preach God's Word? There's always the flesh involved. And by the way, just because we're a believer and just because we have conflict and just because we have the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean this conflict ever ends. The, 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 the secret to spiritual growth is for the old man to become less and less and less in your life and the new man with the power of the Holy Spirit to become more and more and more in our life. We recognize here that there's a struggle going on. There's, there's something within our, uh, uh, our flesh that pulls us and therefore pulls our desires as well. So what's the solution? The solution is the power of the Holy Spirit in our, in our life. Now, when do we get the Holy Spirit? We, we need to establish this. We get the Holy Spirit when we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, when we're saved. Look with me in verse 18. But you, if you are led by the Spirit. Now, when we think about being led by the Spirit, we think about being guided. And the Bible says the Spirit of truth will come and guide you to all truth. Are you with me? What did I just say? The Holy Spirit will come and will do what? guide you to all truth. So you automatically look at this and say, well, I must be, uh, it must be that if I'm led by the Spirit, I'm guided by the Spirit. But here's what Paul says in Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, are children of God. You see, the, when Paul writes about being led by the Spirit, he's saying, you are a child of God. And so when you and I are led by the Spirit, when we have the Holy Spirit of God in our heart, we are believers. Romans 8, 9 says, for however, uh, she says, you, however, Paul says, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of God or spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So you have to have the spirit of God in order to be saved. And we look at this, we understand in the book of Ephesians, Paul said, look, you were once dead in your sins. You had that one nature. You had no spiritual life. The, the, the person is made up of the person made up of body, soul, and spirit. And I believe he is. Your spirit's dead. There's no spiritual life within you. The very moment Adam sinned against God, he was separated from God. There's no spiritual life there. You have one spirit, and, and rather you have one person there. It's the flesh. It's the old man. It's all united. And even the good things that we do, much less the bad things and the struggle that we're constantly facing, all these things going on. In our life trying to do the right thing. But Paul said you were dead in your sins. But the Holy Spirit of God came in and ignited your old dead spirit. And made it come alive in you. Because you have the Holy Spirit in your life. Now because of that. Great power has now come upon your life. And yet. We don't see that. And so how. Do you release the power of God in your life? Because in verse 17, he says to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The flesh is working against you and the battle rages on. Ephesians 5.18 says this. Do not be drunk with wine. This is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Now, what he's saying here, here is this. He's drawing a comparison. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but as that man is controlled by the wine, as he staggers, as his speech is slurred, you be that controlled by the Spirit of God. The idea in the Greek language has to do, in the original language of the Bible, it has to do with a sail. And it means that your sail is full of air. It's filled. 
Now, the wind is already out there on, on, the, on the lake or on the ocean. But you need to turn the boat in the correct direction in order to get the wind in your sail. Now, here's the, the misunderstanding I think we have sometimes about being filled with the Spirit and the Lordship of Christ. People say, well, you know, uh, half the time, Pastor, you're talking about the Lordship of Christ, and then you're talking about being filled with the Spirit. It all sounds like the same thing. But here's the thing. With my own life, as I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that's what I do. I, have to do, I need to do that every day in order to put Christ on the throne of my life. The result of that is the filling of the Holy Spirit in my life. So what I do is the Lordship of Christ. What I, uh, what I gain is the filling of the Holy Spirit in my life. And what happens here is I'm not only just connected to Christ, but something great and wonderful happens to our life. In John chapter 15, um, John writes, or Jesus uh, put forth an illustration. He says, I'm the, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And without me, you cannot bear fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. If we were to, Charles Stanley has uh, also pictured this, this illustration in this way. He's saying that Jesus Christ is the vine, we are the branches, and the, and the Holy Spirit is the sap that runs through the tree, out to the branches, and into the fruit. And the Holy Spirit is free to do that and produce fruit in our life, results in our life. And what is some of that fruit? Look with me in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And so we look at this and we understand that the power, this happens because we are filled with the Spirit. Now, when, when was I first filled with the Spirit? When were you first filled with the Holy Spirit of God? It happened at the very moment that you were saved. Amen. Did you remember feeling the peace of God in your life when you were first saved? You remember the joy that you felt? You remember the, the love? Boy, you just loved everybody. You forgave everybody. You say, yeah, I, I felt that way then, but I don't always feel that way now. You know, so what happens? Well, you were filled, but you leaked. Amen. You leaked, all right? And, and we do. We, we leak. Well, how do you do that? Well, the Bible says, Ephesians 4.30, you gr- don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve him? Well, you sin and do something you shouldn't do, and then you don't repent of it. And it just hardens yourself against God. Or 1 Thessalonians says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. That's when God's leading you to do something and you just don't do it. And then you, you don't repent of that either. And so now you're no longer filled. See, how can you have the Holy Spirit without being filled? You can. Let me explain it to you in this way in a physical term, even though maybe it's not the best illustration. But uh, when, when I was growing up, we all, my, my brother and my sister and I often said, you know, when you had a limb to go to sleep, uh, that the blood has run out of it. That's not true. How many of you have ever had a limb to go to sleep before? An arm, a leg? I remember I was home from, uh, from school, from college, and um, I got up that morning to eat breakfast with my mom and dad before they went off to work because, I mean, that's just something. I wanted to honor them by doing that, and I wanted to eat eggs and bacon and pancakes too. <laughs> so anyway, I got up. Well, they went off to work, and I was tired, so I just found myself laying my, the head, my head on the kitchen, just kind of pushing the plates aside and laying my head on the table. Well, you can imagine what happened. I woke up with this big circle right here, but also my arms were asleep. How did I wake up? The phone began to ring, and I woke up, and I looked at the phone. You say, well, where was the phone? Right there, your cell phone, right? Just pick it up. No, before cell phones. Don't forget cell phones. 
This was a rotary phone on a wall. Actually on a wall. And so I'm, I'm, I'm from here to about right here. And that's how far I had to walk to the phone. I get up. I'm startled. I come to my senses a little bit. I walk toward the phone. And I couldn't pick it up. My arms were totally dead. They were asleep. I tried to, I tried to get it up there, you know, but it just, it just wouldn't work, you know. I mean, you've been in that situation. And then when the feeling comes back, what happens? It hurts. It just hurts like repentance. It just hurts that tingling going on. I couldn't answer the phone. I don't, to this day, I don't know who called. It could have been Publishers Clearinghouse. And my whole life could have been changed at that point, but I'll, I'll never know. But you see, I had blood in my arms. It just wasn't flowing. And sometimes we get things in our life that stop the blood from flowing and stop up the spiritual arteries in our life. And we have the Holy Spirit. He's just not using us and empowering us like he wants to do. I can remember uh, being at a Campus Crusade for Christ meeting. When I was at um, the University of Georgia, and we met at Memor- they met at Memorial Hall, which is right beside Sanford Stadium. I mean, if you ever go to a Georgia football game, the, the building to the left of the stadium, that's it. It's no longer the student center, but it was then. And I had been going to those meetings a little bit and called College Life Sunday night at 9.01. College Life. And I went that night, sit, was sitting down on the floor, and I'd been reading the Bible. And... Um, during my testimony at dinner with the pastor, which we're having this afternoon, if you'd like to come, 5 o'clock over on the Evita campus. But um, I tell my testimony about how reading the, I read the Bible, I read through all the way through the book of Matthew, and I was thrilled. I mean, wow, you know, I, I finally made it through. And I tell you, I just couldn't get enough of it. But in the context of that, I went to um, a crusade meeting, and they, they talked that night about being filled with the Spirit. And I said, God, that's what I need. In fact, I'm not... Whatever I have to give up, that's what I need. That's why they have the joy in their life that they do. I want that. And so I prayed that night to be filled with the Spirit. And I don't know if this fits your doctrine or whatever. I don't know. But all I know is, after that, I wasn't always filled. But after that, my life changed. It went to a, my spiritual life with a whole new level. And I never looked back. Never. A special night, the most important spiritual night of my life as a believer, as far as my relationship with God. Now, what about you? What Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You say, well, how do you know? Well, let's look at it a little closer. Because we realize the power of the Holy Spirit as we walk in Him. Look with me. Verse 16, as we walk in the Spirit. And then it says... In in verse 24, and those who belong to the Spirit have crucified the flesh within its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk or keep in step with the Spirit. Now, as we just read, this fruit of the Spirit, love, that is love without a claim. Joy, that is your joy is in the Lord and not in yourself or in people. Peace, lack of guilt, patience. That is willing to suffer without becoming bitter. It goes on to say, kindness, that's just being nice to people. Goodness, faithfulness, that's reliability, gentleness, humility is what that's talking about. Self-control. So boy, I, I really like those things in my life. In fact, that last one, self-control, man, you could think, if I could get that one, that'd be something. And I'm just going to sort of pick and choose through all these things. You know, it's just the fruit. It's singular. 
Now, the, the works of the flesh are plural. You can have some of those and not have others. But this as an indication that you and I have either all the fruit or none of the fruit. But see, we don't have it all at the same strength. Because fruit, and that's the analogy here, that's the illustration, starts off small. I mean, doesn't it? Starts off real small. And then it grows and grows and grows. And finally, it comes to a point where you actually are ready to pick it and eat it. Because fruit is meant to be eaten, not simply looked at. So it all grows at a different level. So let me ask you this. Are you more patient? Would people say you're more patient than you were two years ago? Would people say that you're more loving than you were five years ago? Would people around you would say, well, you know, you're just, you're not really at total peace. I can tell you, you kind of go back and forth. You kind of struggle with it. But you're a lot, you're more in peace now than I've ever known you. Do they see that growth in your life? If they don't, then you're not filled with the Spirit. At least not right now. You're not filled with His Spirit. So, the Bible teaches us, gives us the power to be. You want to walk with God? You say, I just don't think I can become a Christian. Don't think I can walk with God. No, you can't. You can't do right. You can't live right without the Holy Spirit within you after you're saved. Secondly, it gives us the power to do. Listen to Acts 1.8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We have the power to witness. John Stott, great theologian, of the past has said to us, he says, we must beware of any claim to fullness of the spirit, which does not lead to evangelistic concerns and outreach. We say, well, I, I, I feel more peaceful, but do you have such a fervor in your heart and desire in your heart? You think to yourself, everybody ought to be experiencing what I'm experiencing. I love everybody. I want to see them come to know Christ. I, I don't want to send them to eternity without Christ. I want them to get these eight things in their life that I have. And so the evangelistic fervor begins to grow and God gives you the power to do it. And you say, but it's hard. I know it's hard. But I love what John Kennedy, President John Kennedy said when he was trying to put a man on the moon. He says, we don't do things because they're easy. We do them because they are hard. You say, well, it's hard to plant a church here. It's hard to plant a satellite here. We don't do things because they're easy. We do them because they're hard. Because that's what builds character. That's what builds community in a body of Christ. And so the power to do. And then lastly, the power to overcome. Why is it, and maybe I can say this illustration. Most of you would not break into a house and steal something. Okay, because that's just not the right thing to do. I, I get that. But just suppose you had the, the tendency, the temptation to go into a store and put things in a sack or a purse, shoplift. And you say, well, I don't do that. I really want to do that. Man, there's just so many things I want. And I'm thinking, no, is anybody really looking? I really, but I don't do that. Why? Well, I don't want to go to jail. It's just not worth it. I don't want to go to jail. So why would we be tempted to do something over here and, and we're tempted to maybe say something, gossip about somebody, complain about something, be critical about something, or envy somebody else, or look at some of these other things, have become jealous of somebody, become angry with someone else? Well, if I do that kind of stuff, I'm going to lose 
I'm going to lose. You think is worth it. But if you say, wow, you know, if I'm going to do that to my, my, my wife or my husband or my kids, or I'm going to do that to my church, or I'm going to do this to my neighbor, oh, wow, I could get away with this. And nobody's going to know, but I'm going to lose the power of God in my life. That's why the filling of the Holy Spirit gives you the power to overcome in your life. I love the illustration, and you know, there's four, five, six illustrations that I've, I've given over the years that are pretty constant. I just keep coming back to them because they have a lot to do with the ministry of my church. But here, here's one. And I don't, by the way, I don't advocate dogfighting, but a story is told of uh, an Eskimo that came down from um, the mountain into town every Saturday, and he would bring two dogs with him, one a black dog and one a white dog. And they would fight, and people would bet. Sometimes the black dog would win, sometimes the white dog would win, but the Eskimo always won the bets. He always seemed to know. Inside track. So walking back up the mountain, one of the young men followed him. He said, you know, I don't get it. Every Saturday you come here, sometimes the black dog wins the fight. Sometimes the battle goes to the white dog. But you always seem to know which one's going to win. How do you know that? He says, well, it's easy. It's the one I feed all week. You're going to struggle. Which one is going to be? Which one do you feed all week? As I said, in my life, Campus Crusade for Christ meeting, 19 years old, I said, Lord, that's what I I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I I want the Christian life to apply to my life. I want the power of God in my life. So that night, I made that commitment. And I'm going to ask you today, if this is the desire of your heart to make that commitment as well, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you say right now, if you don't have the desire, utmost desire for the Holy Spirit to fill your life, Would you admit that to God? And then would you say to God, God, give me the desire that I need. Give me that desire. If that's the overwhelming desire in your life, would you say, God, this is what I need in my life. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I may not even understand it all, but I want you to fill me And help me to walk in the spirit of God.